0: Hello everyone in podcast land and welcome to the first episode of a 10 part quarantine edition of pot still radio Where instead of traveling the length and breadth of the country to bring you some great irish whiskey interviews I adhere to the irish government's two kilometer travel restriction and bring you the interviews by web calls instead This will obviously mean that we will not always have the same crystal clear audio quality as we've had with our guests in the past When they're seated in front of us, but I hope you enjoy this journey with us. So now cue that cheesy music Steve Glare, Goktina, Falchon, shú A. Pot Still Radio. Is Misha Mayo Haley in a gyony? August and you. Tomei, Shakma, Chakmar, is Cade Agron, Quarantine, Pot Still Radio, A. shú August. Thaw Louise McCwan, O JJ Curry, A. Reverlum. So Falchon, shú A. Louise.
1: Falchon. Thank you for having
0: me. As we start off this first quarantine episode of Pot Still Radio, I would like to say a very big thank you to our sponsors, Irishmaltz.com, who have all the latest and greatest Irish whiskeys, gins, and putchings delivered straight to your door. Visit irishmalts.com to browse their full range. And to the Bill Phil, the triple distilled peated single malt by W.D. O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell Whiskey across all platforms or visit W.D. O'Connell for more details. And finally, what's your treat this week? Why not enjoy a cloned 10-year-old Cast strength whiskey or a delicious flame-fed pot-stilled putching? All available online. Check out distillery.com for more information. And remember, both the Clone and W.D. O'Connell whiskeys, as well as the J.J. Curry whiskeys, are available from irishmalts.com. So, Louise, thank you very much for being the first person to sit down with me across an internet uh, interview version of Pot Still Radio. So, welcome to the show, Louise. Thanks for being with us.
1: Well, thanks for having us. We appreciate it.
0: So, I suppose, tell us where you're uh, video conferencing into us from.
1: So I'm in Clare. I'm supposed to be in Asia. Obviously right now uh, doing all sorts of export and sales and private client sales and things like that. But I'm uh, in County Clare on the farm. We are on total lockdown. uh, So there's nobody else on site, just me. So I'm just solo again, like the old days on site
0: here in Ireland. And what does being on site on your own include these days?
1: So it includes kind of restructuring the business from a strategic standpoint to ensure that it will survive uh, for the next 10 years. So there's a lot of kind of high-level conversation, thinking going on around, you know, how to sort of work through this. And then it also involves everything from packing individual bottles of whiskey to to mail to people around Ireland because we opened an online shop there on Friday. I'm going to have to disgorge a cask. Uh, today or tomorrow, there's a, there's a whiskey and an IPA cast that needs to come out, and then I'm going to have to cut it. I'm going to have to proof it down. Um, there's probably a little bit of bottling in my future because um, a couple of samples need to go off to various different export markets and stuff like that. Accepting deliveries, you know, you name it. Like you know, everything from making sure that everybody who works for the business has a job after this is all over to mailing and packing boxes. Jack of all trades.
0: Well, absolutely, Jack of all trades. I know when you started you're very much a one woman show, so I'm sure it feels very much like that, all right.
1: It is. It's back to the startup day, so it's quite it's actually quite familiar, you know. Um, this is sort of what I all I did for a very long time, or several years, sitting in this office doing absolutely everything. So it's just kind of back to that. But it, it's good because it's good to feel busy right now, you know, and it's it you know, we're we're adapting the business very quickly and we're we're uh, we're coming up with sort of solutions all the time and we're in the new normal. So it, it, it's nice actually to be busy on site rather than to be twiddling my thumbs.
0: So tell us about this online store. I'm sure was it a part of the business plan or was it kind of a recipe of necessity at this point?
1: It absolutely was not a part of the business plan at all. But we are sitting on a lot of stock, not a lot, but a chunk of stock in the, in the warehouse that normally we would sell um, in the summertime. You know, we, we have a really big uptick in local sales here in the summertime because all the, all the tourists come in and they all want to drink local. We're right along the wild Atlantic way. We are absolutely not going to see any of that trade this summer or not at the volumes that we normally would. Uh, so we partnered together with um, local brewery and and, and um, sort of are working off, you know, th- through them from a licensing perspective so that we're doing it all kind of kosher. We jerry-rigged a website really quickly. We opened up a friends and family program, and we asked people to kind of sign up to our newsletter to be part of the special offer that we have. It's been very successful. We have several hundred orders, uh, every single one of which I now need to pack up and ship off to people.
0: Right, so is it basically the, the whiskies you have in the warehouse that are now available to people internationally?
1: No, we can't do it internationally. It's, it's a bridge too far. It's just, it's Ireland's, just, just exclusively in Ireland.
0: Okay, well, that's pretty good pickup from Ireland then.
1: Yeah, yeah really good. Really, really good.
0: There's enough Ooh. Irish people quarantined with low whiskey stocks uh, to keep people moving. And I know you uh, recently put your hats on sale as well.
1: We did. We sold a load of hats as well. We're basically looking around going, okay, what can we offer to people that we haven't before? The other thing is, is that, you know, we had just hired a, a hospitality experience manager because we had a lot of bookings this summer um, for by appointment only VIP tours. We were doing like these really small scale bespoke tours and experiences on site. And we had bookings from America and bookings from the UK with these concierge companies. So we had hired somebody to bring to kind to of manage that whole experiential piece for us. All those bookings have dissipated obviously overnight. So, so I'm stuck with boxes and boxes of hats and, and whatnot. So I figured we might as well make them available to people uh, via mail if we can't welcome people on site. So yeah, we're just kind of adapting. The goal is keep the business al- alive, keep everybody employed uh, and ensure that we're, you know, we're ready to go when we're out the end of this whole thing.
0: Um, I believe, I suppose, one of the excitement pieces recently uh, was you have your first uh, automated bottler
1: yeah that stupid thing so i bought that like a year and a half ago and it's never worked and uh it's gone over and back to italy two or three times and now we finally have it working so yes yes we have an automated bottler
0: that's (laughs) not great i mean that must be a great relief then i suppose a lot of was done by hand beforehand am i right
1: yeah, we were bottling off-site a lot as well, just because we, we had to, really. So, um, everything now will be on-site, and end-to-end uh, uh, end now, from cast disgorgement to, to, to packing it into boxes. So, yeah, it'll it just be a lot more efficient for us, and um, faster as well, you know. Uh, so, yeah, great relief. Great relief.
0: Well, that's good to hear. So, I suppose the last time we sat down was actually, I looked it up, it was just a little over a year ago, when the two of us were in Tokyo... At at a different uh, spirits event, so I suppose what have we seen change or grow in the JJ Corey world in the last year?
1: So the team's gotten bigger, which is great. You know, we've we've hired a number of people. Um, we've made really good sort of. We, we've been very kind of rapid fire in terms of in terms of whiskey releases because that's our business model. That's what we do as bonders. You know, we um, we really kind of got into our groove with that last year. So, you know, we have a kind of a few core products like the Gale and the Flintlock and now the Battalion um, that are for retail that we make every single year that, you know, evolve over time because they're done in batches. Um, But our kind of M.O. as Bonders is kind of the cask curation piece and, and the bespoke blend piece. So since we spoke last, we've released a lot of really hyper small scale blends, you know, and when I say hyper small scale, it's 130 bottled blends, you know, it's really small. And we do that by working with key customers. So people like Whiskey Exchange, people like Annabelle's in London, like really kind of high profile whiskey specific accounts, people who are really into it. And we work with them to create, you know, one of a kind bespoke blends that are specially bottled. And then we release them essentially. So we've really gotten into our groove in relation to doing that. It totally makes sense for us to do that because as bonders, you know, all we're doing is taking existing whiskey stocks and, and combining them in different ways,
0: you know. So Louise, I was wondering about your Chosen. Can you walk us through kind of how that project came to be and I suppose what the the outcome of it all was?
1: Yeah, the, the Chosen was... Uh, three years in the making um, when I first kind of founded the business obviously the first thing that we did was go and buy casks you know that's like the first thing that you do you, you source your whiskey so um, particularly with the older stocks of whiskey obviously we taste every single cask uh, that before we buy it you know we're small scale enough that we can do that and this was a um, this was one of the first casks that we actually ever tasted and opened and I'll never forget it because I remember we spent three days, I think, tasting and going through casks and stuff. And I remember going back to that one particular cask at the end of the three days and saying, That's really special. And um, we're going to do something with that because it was just this beautiful, it was just the absolute standout. So I made sure, like, th- there was a question of whether or not we could actually get that cask. Somebody else maybe had their name on it. And I just pushed, 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 pushed and I got the cask. So that was before the business was even properly founded properly really you know we had no brand we had nothing on the market so i immediately started to work on this concept so i felt like it was an absolutely stellar 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 task and uh we kind of kept watching it and watching it and watching it year on year as to when to pull it because with some of those older stocks you know they can go over the hill they just they just go over the hill and and they they don't they don't stand up to single casking basically so I looked to the, the scotch market and I looked to the Japanese market and all the other whiskey markets and um, you know my background w- was always in kind of higher end alcohol like I worked for Diageo with their higher marks so it, it, that's a world that I'm very comfortable in in terms of um, design and development and things like that. So I decided okay that's an incredible single cask it's going to go out a single cask we are going to Put a pack around it to rival anything that comes out of Scotland, basically, in terms of those beautiful high end 50,000 pound whiskies that they do. And uh, I found the best possible craftspeople that I could in crystal and in cabinetry. So I worked with a woman called um, uh, a company called J. Hill Standard. Uh Annika Terrell is the founder there. She's a crystal maker. She makes water for crystal, essentially, but in a very contemporary, modern way. And I loved her stuff. And I went to meet her and I told her about the idea. And then um, she started working on some concepts for me, you know, based on the the, the beach that we have around here, and influenced her by that. And then I found John Galvin. He's a guy from Cork. He is a master cabinet maker. You know, he does a lot of cabinet making for for people like McCallan and and um, the sort of the, the, the big sort of Scotch guys, but he had never been asked to work on an Irish whiskey project ever before. And I thought that was a travesty. So um, he started working on the cabinet piece and then it all sort of came together. Then we realized that it needed to be, be disgorged basically last year because uh, it was ready to go. So um, after three years of work on that project, because it's an, an enormous kind of investment to get something like that over the line, you know, though that cabinet, a tree and that crystal stuff is incredibly expensive even for me essentially so I felt confident in it in that like it's so the whiskey is so fantastic like that single cask in particular is stand out for me anyway and um the the the, the packaging around it and the craftsmanship around the packaging as well you know it's a real luxury piece you know I felt pretty confident about that so you know, before we launched it, I went to market with it, you know, because you, you don't launch something like that without knowing can you sell it because it's too big of a risk. And um, it was, you know, we went over to Asia and there's a real kind of demand and thirst for that sort of stuff in Asia. They love it. And it went down very well there. And then we kind of found homes for it with high end retailers and, and collectors and things like that. Uh, and then we launched it uh, and everybody went insane online. <laughs> And um, everybody thought it was scandal, and, and I, I knew that we were gonna like uh, it was gonna be a controversial launch because there, there's a section of the whiskey industry uh, whiskey fans who don't like the the luxury stuff, and um, they just they they, they don't um, they don't like it because it's inaccessible. You know, probably is, is kind of the core reason. So we got a lot of abuse online about it, which is normal. We get a lot of abuse online anyway, and uh, but. It, it really kind of cemented our reputation with, with our sort of in our key markets and our key distributors. And um, it's something that I'm very, very proud of. It was the first uh, luxury Irish whiskey in reality in terms of the, the way we executed it. And um, it's not going to be the last, as we know. Like, you know, Perno came out with one a couple of weeks ago there. Like that, that makes ours look really cheap uh, in terms of price points. So I'm very proud of it. It needed to be done. The, the 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 point that I was making with The Chosen was that Irish whiskey needs to be able to compete with uh, Scotch. It needs to be able to compete with J- Japanese and American and all the other sort of whiskeys at that level. And I think that we, we put something out there in the world that was able to do that. So I'm very proud of it.
0: So Louise, how many bottles of The Chosen were released?
1: Uh, there were 100 bottles released. That was it.
0: And um, what was the breakdown? The age, the ABV, the the I suppose the consumer price point.
1: Um, it was fifty two percent ABV. It was it was there thereabouts, like there, might, there was maybe a couple of points in it. Um, it was because it was cask strength essentially. Um, and uh, it was a twenty eight year old uh, single malt, single cask, single malt. Like we barely got a hundred bottles out of it, to be honest. Um, because it was you know the it's an old old cask essentially. The price point at retail is was about six and a half thousand pounds because it predominantly went to the UK. Um, I think it retailed here in Ireland for about seven thousand there thereabouts.
0: The UK is quite a strong market for yourselves, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah, because there's a lot of kind of private client stuff there and. Um, uh you know, the on-premise there love us as well in terms of we're, we're the right kind of brand for them. So so UK is a really strong market for us now, yes.
0: And I suppose with that bottling day, was it on-site or was it off-site when you were doing that? Because there must have been precious li- drops of liquid coming out of that barrel.
1: Yeah, no, that, that that didn't get bottled on-site in the end. Um, It had to, like, all the packaging off-site to get done. And there was insurance involved and there was... It, it was a really great project because everybody um, everybody was very heavily involved in it. You know, it was this one thing where the whole team had to really pull together and, uh, and and work to kind of get it over the line and to coordinate. Because we're still a really small business at the end of the day. You know, it's just me and and we now have like Eric and Neve and Blaze. That's it. Like we the, the four of us pull that project off miraculously. Um, but I would not recommend anybody do an ultra premium, uh whiskey release uh, anytime soon, again, just because it's it, the, the stress levels of it and the, the, you know, everything that's riding on it is, is pretty hardcore. You know, if that hadn't been a success, honestly, the business would have shut down. I, I'm not, and I'm not even kidding you, like the, the risk level involved in that was inordinate. And I remember several times halfway through it, I was kicking myself that, that I was, that I had gotten so deep into it, but it worked out.
0: Why did I start this?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: you're describing your team there, uh, Eric, Blaze, Niamh and yourself. I suppose what are their roles within the business at this point?
1: Yeah, so um, Eric uh, uh, is now on site, like he's based here in Clare. So he's our kind of logistics manager here on site. And he also works on in kind of Irish side sales. Uh, you know, we've kind of gotten our act together now on site and profession- professionalized things in terms of the bottling blending piece and that sort of stuff. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, bureaucracy involved in, in any whiskey company and you have to really stay on top of it. And so Eric is managing all of that for us. He gets really busy then in the summertime as well around here with sales because, you know, local sales, like I said, for the tourist season is is pretty busy. Um, and he has a remit for rest of Ireland as well in terms of, um, you know, sales, essentially. Niamh is our brand ambassador over in London. She goes around evangelizing the J.J. Corey story um, in the on-premise and the off-premise. She's one of the reasons that we're so successful over there. She's embedded with our distributor. And then Blaze, we had to bring back from America because visas and uh, she's kind of like handling our, our um marketing and um sort of business development on the export side as well
0: okay so she's looking after the markets i suppose outside of ireland the uk
1: yeah but then having said that occasionally it'll be all hands on deck and everybody has to come to the farm and pack a load of chosen boxes to send somewhere you know like it, it's still it's we're 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 in Growth mode, but everybody's very, very hands-on still. You know, everybody in the business has done a bit of bottling, you know, whether it's <laughs> off site at some point.
0: Okay. How do you see JJ kari coming out the far end of all this quarantine nonsense? And what are the kind of ideal next steps for the company?
1: Um so we have a couple of new kind of core products that we're we're gonna be coming out with. One of them is uh, a blended brain which isn't in the technical file, but it is a grain from, from a multitude of origins, essentially. Uh, it's called a Hanson. So we're going to be launching that. We were supposed to launch that like weeks ago. But we're going to launch that kind of at the back end of this. It's going to be kind of, it'll be like around 50, 55 euros, depending on the excise in your country. But that's going to be kind of our entry point whiskey um, and become a key part of the portfolio sort of moving forward. That's going to get launched after this is all over. It'll probably be like September time now by the time we're done. We have had lots of additional inquiries in the U.S. around uh, new states that, that, and, and customers in states that want to bring us in. That's kind of all stalled. So we need to kind of kick that into high gear as well. So out the end of it, and, and we have some additional kind of other new markets that we're opening as well. Everything is just kind of, I wouldn't say paused, but, you know, what I'm trying to get us to do is to be in a position that when this is all over, you know, we are ready to rock and we are ready to take advantage of the uptick, hopefully, which, which, which will come. Um, that has become a bit more difficult with the lockdown because now I have to do everything. But, you know, I'm, we're just trying to keep momentum going and be positive and keep everybody in a job. That's, that's the, the goal here.
0: Fair enough and it hasn't stopped the charity ex- uh, pursuits either I know you have the the pink bottles up we're just I think just finished with the Celtic whiskey auctions.
1: Yes so we we did a collaboration with Dresser of Success which is this amazing charity that kind of empowers or enables women to get back into the workplace it provides them with mentorship and clothing if they needed for for interviews and things like that really great organization and um, so we partnered with those guys for International Women's Day, and then we worked with a design team called Jill and Jill, who are these two awesome girls up in Dublin who do everything from interior design to graphic design and, and you name it. So we sort of collaborated with those guys and produced The Whiskey Thief, and 100% of the proceeds of that uh, went to charity. We had 100 bottles, all the bottles met the reserve, and I think we we, we raised about 10 grand or there, thereabouts for, for um, Dress for Success. Is great
0: absolutely nothing wrong with that
1: yeah
0: well i hope you don't mind me taking a moment to thank our sponsors so this episode is brought to you by cologne the true distillery dedicated to transparency cast strength bottlings with integrity and without any color or filtration cologne distillery the past and the future of irish pot still and of course the bill phil Triple distilled peated single malt by WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell Whiskey across all platforms or visit wdoconnell.com for more details. And of course, IrishMalts.com. New whiskies, old whiskies, and everything in between, delivering to Ireland, the UK, Europe, and most US states. Visit Irish Malts to browse their full range, including all the Cologne, WD O'Connell, as well as, of course, the JJ Curry whiskies. So, Louise, a few moments ago, you brought up uh, your new core release, uh, the Hansen, which I suppose would be Ireland's first ever kind of blended grain release, at least on a commercial scale. And I'm wondering if you could talk us through kind of how that came about and kind of some of the finer details of that.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, one of the really important things about us as whiskey bonders and the business model is the portfolio of, 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 of whiskeys that we have to pull from and choose from. So a big part of my job is, building out our flavor library as we call it and um, you know when we started this business there was probably three distilleries to buy whiskey from or to source whiskey from and there are a lot more now so, so what that means as a bonder is that you know we we just have different kind of flavor blocks and different approaches and, and all that sort of stuff so it's really important for us now that we have availability of those stocks to start to experiment so I think the Hansen a blended grain. Maybe it's been done before. I don't really know, but it certainly hasn't been declared necessarily. Um, it was quite intentional on on our part. You know, we had some older grain, we had some younger grain, and we we started to sort of experiment with with putting those two different kind of very different styles together, and um, and we've come up with the Hansen. And I think that's going to become really a lot more important to us moving forward. You know. Um, amalgamating and blending from different sources and from different places so this is kind of a toe in the water in in relation to that um i I don't there's no such thing as a blended grain in the technical file like it's not a, a thing um for whatever reason certainly a blended malt is but a blended grain isn't but you're going to be seeing plenty of blended malts and plenty of blended grains coming out from us in in the coming years as our library of flavors grows and evolves uh, over time essentially
0: so what would be the attraction for the jj carry business model in that blended grain blended malt market
1: i just think it's intrinsic to what we do you know whiskey we don't distill the whiskey you know so it's really important that, that you know at some point in the process that we're influencing the the whiskey, whiskey and, you know and we do that through the wood program that we have that's the starting point of that but then it also becomes really, really important at the, you know, at the point of blend. You know, the reason that we have so many blended whiskies is, is because that's what we do. We that's how we create. You know, and that's how we put different flavor profiles together. So I just think it's part of our DNA to be doing that. And as a whiskey bonder, you know, we don't just buy an IBC of whiskey, bottle it, and say, there you go. You know, there's a, there is an artistry involved in, and in the in our bonder's production process, and that's the blend. You know, we we really focus on that. So it's just part of our DNA and what we do, and it's the natural progression now of, of of whiskey bonding for us moving forward as these as the as the library of flavor grows.
0: So when you're looking for new spirit for this flavor library, um, I suppose when you're looking at the new distilleries themselves and new make, um, are you working with many of the distilleries for that kind of new make? And also if you are, how are you kind of deciding on what what spirit to be as well as laying down in your in your lovely Dunage warehouses.
1: Yeah, so we you know we work with as many people as we can. Like a lot of people are not ready to sell third party yet. You know they're just trying to build up their own stocks. Um, the 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 Irish whiskey kind of wholesale market is is in its infancy. You know when you compare it to Scotch. You know for a long time there there was one or two guys wholesaling. That was kind of it. That's that's changing and evolving now, essentially, and, and starting to sort of move forward. So we're so early on in that process. It's like I'll pretty, you know, there, there's not a lot of bad whiskey being made out there. that I that's come across my desk, you know, pretty much anybody who's, who's given it a go is very focused on quality. So um, what we've been focusing on now this year in particular is is sourcing. You know, this is a good year or was until now a good year to do that. And, um, and, and alongside that, then, what we're focusing on is the wood program. So we've just gotten deadly serious about our wood program uh, this year in terms of cask acquisition. So the process is basically, you know, work with the distillery, get some samples, decide what's it going to go into, like what, what, wood, what wood is it going into, and then lay it down. Um, and then it'll be a process of years and years of kind of managing that. But the whiskey sourcing and the wood program very much go hand in hand and they evolve and kind of grow together as the, as the spirit, you know, is, is moving forward. Like the oldest source whiskey that we have is four, you know, so it's that's how kind of early in, in terms of, of, of new distilleries. So um, it's a really interesting time right now because that whole wholesale market is opening up and you're, you're about to start seeing a lot more trading going on and between distilleries and that sort of stuff. And as a bonder you know, hopefully we can help to kind of push that market along um, because, you know, it's, it's just a natural evolution of the rebirth of the industry I think.
0: And from cast perspective, when you're outsourcing barrels what kind of wood and what kind of, I suppose barrels are you looking for?
1: So we're kind of obsessed with Sherry Cast at the moment a little bit, you know, because in terms of the kind of um, uh, profile, that's kind of a direction that we've sort of gone in and in terms of um, their... their their amenability on young whiskey or the, the influence that they have on young whiskey as well. Like we're, we're really kind of focusing in on those currently. Um, we're doing a little bit of, you know, we, we obviously have our bourbon sources and our craft whiskey sources over in America as well. That'll always be kind of a mainstay and a staple, but we're, we're looking at kind of Eastern European well and, um, a bit of sort of virgin stuff too. So, um, but the big piece for me this year has been getting a good sherry supply and um, really kind of honing in on that and putting a lot of our younger sort of uh, malts in particular um, in there and, and getting and working them through, essentially. The Battalion, our, our tequila mezcal uh, influence whiskey, that's going to become part of the portfolio. So I've been dealing directly with Mexico on very specifically tequila casks still in mezcal big one that we're working with to source those because um we're we're removing the mezcal from the equation just because it doesn't work that well it doesn't bring a huge amount to the table so we do have a source now of tequila casts that are going to be coming through as well in 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 fairly bigger big quantities because that's been a very kind of interesting whiskey for us as well it's really good fun and and it's one of my favorites actually yeah, so, so so you know, I was supposed to be like flying around a lot this year, visiting cooperages and distilleries and wineries and things like that, and I'm not now. But yeah, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at currently. The other bits and pieces.
0: And in terms of the sherry barrels themselves, you focusing on any in particular, Oloroso, Fino, Amontillado?
1: Yeah, all all of the above. Yeah, like so we've we've found a really good um, person to work. It's, sherry casts are hard. There's a lot of like not trash but there's a lot of kind of um vinegary yeah just fakey fakey kind of sherry casks out there so you have to really be careful with it so we have a partner now that we're working with very very closely on um on, on, on sourcing quality of casks but yeah we're looking across the 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 board And um, it's actually quite fun because the sherry world is a very sort of Interesting one, and the different profiles are, are quite fascinating too. So we're we're trying to bring in as much variety as we can um, into the cast program right now, because we can course correct it in years to come, you know. But right now is the time to sort of really have variety, you know, going going through and uh, just to be those stocks essentially.
0: And in terms of the actual whiskey you're sourcing, rather than the barrels, I know you've been focusing a lot on single malt releases at the moment. But I was wondering, is pot still on the horizon, or is that not really on your radar for the moment?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I have like, okay, I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, I'm not that into it personally. Uh, pot still, like, I just, um, I have, I have a little bit in the warehouse, right, and. Yeah, the, the problem with Podstil for me is that uh, I'm not hugely, hugely into it from a personal palette perspective. Um, we do actually have some in the warehouse. Uh, it's very, very young. Um, and, and, and the issue that I have with it, it's just that it, it needs a lot of time. You know, it needs a huge, huge, huge amount of time. So we have some, yes, we'll build up some additional stocks of it. Um, and I might come around to it. But uh, I'm not quite there yet. Like, I, I think we couldn't even release it for 10 or 15 years. You know, it just needs so much time, I feel. Um, but it is something that, yeah, we're, we're going to start sort of getting a bit more of. And again, that's just a case of building up the, pro, the, the, the flavor library. You know, the more variety that we have in stock, the better for us in the long term.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So there's a kind of malt, single malt, blended malt, blended grain, single grain. They're the they're the big focus going forward. And I suppose they're what you're seeing your international markets have a, a thirst for, I suppose.
1: Yeah, there is. Like, I think, you know, the, the pot still, people don't understand what it is yet, you know, like internationally. You know, it's not, um, it's not, not brilliantly understood at, at, at this time. It will be, you know, moving forward, you know, the bigger guys are going to start banging the drum about it. Um, Irish whiskey isn't particularly well understood, you know. And no matter what people tell you, like, when you go out into the market, um, there's still a lot of education to be done. So for us, we'll, we'll focus on, on those things just for now, but we will be quietly building up stocks and pots still and and, um, and keeping an eye on those to see sort of uh, what happens. But for us, uh, we're all about the blend at the moment, yeah.
0: Well, we'll keep our eyes out for some... Uh, jj curry single pot still in a, in a number of years so but i know that you've been doing uh, your bonders blends your bespoke blends for different retailers is a very core part of your business up to now and you're seeing kind of a lot of it in the uk and kind of continental mm-hmm. europe has there been much interest or appetite from u.s retailers or outlets if for these kind of bespoke jj curry blends
1: yeah, the, the bonders blends are a huge part of what we do. Like they're they're lovely things to work on because um, it, it's really crafty, you know, so, so essentially we'll go and talk to a customer and say customers are very accustomed to doing barrel picks. You know, like, particularly in America, you you'll go into any kind of store or even restaurant and there'll be a, a barrel of George Dickel or Whistle Pig or whatever sitting there. This is a nice process because we can say to people, would you like your own bespoke whiskey? What is your flavor profile that you're after? You know, what do you like, what, what specifically do you want? Do you want something fruity? Do you want, you know, do you want something floral? And it's a real kind of one-to-one process. We we, we taste people, we, we create sort of a number of um, test blends for people with that general profile. And then we sit down and we taste them together and then we work on the ABV together. Very often the customers will come over here, and then they'll stay the night, and um, we'll work on the blend together. So it's a lovely, really, uh, you know, hands-on kind of process, and I love doing it with customers. Uh, we've done a lot of them in in the UK, and um, the the plan is to do, to roll them out in the US and key states as well. There's quite a few customers uh, interested, but of course the US is always weird with its laws, you know, in terms of doing those kind of things certain states you can certain states you can't but yeah it is something you'll see a lot more of from us uh in the u.s moving forward
0: i'm sure there's a lot of barriers to entry for doing these kind of short runs particularly in the u.s when you've got ttb label approval or kind of more logistically even just getting these kind of short runs of labels must also be a pain in the ass
1: yes the answer is yes to that but we've we've got it down you know we've really got it down now in terms of the process and, you know, I have like like hats off to the team, like the pressure, you know, I'll come up with an idea and uh, my philosophy is always like, well, here's the idea. It's a good idea. Now we just have to make it happen. So the JJ Curry way of working tends to be like, come up with a brilliant idea, tell everybody about it and then figure out how to do it later kind of thing. So that's how those those label things kind of tend to work as well.
0: <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that style of business. Lead a bit of an imagination forward and figure out the logistics later. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Louise, I think this might be kind of a good natural time to start signing off. I know myself here, we've got a bit of a storm brewing in. So I'm losing a bit of internet and people out there in podcast land won't know this, but we've actually had to stop a couple of times just for the likes of deliveries on site. So I know you're very busy down there in Clare. But before we go, I do want to say one last thanks to our sponsors cologne distillery as well as the bill fill from wd o'connell whiskey merchants and of course Irishmalts.com. and louise if people want to find you online where should they be looking
1: um you can find it at our friends at Irishmalts.com, celticwhiskey.com um you know they're they're great 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 supporters of ours um for for all of the other sort of stuff and to join our new kind of JJ Corey mailing list, just go to our website, JJCorey.com, click on contact us, sign up. And, uh, you know, from there you'll receive lots of sort of information from us about new releases, special offers, events, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, something good that's come out of all of this. We've had the time to kind of, uh, reach out directly to all of our, our, our supporters and fans um, so yeah, jjcorry.com, place to be.
0: And yes, as you rightly said, Louise, you can pick up the JJ Curry whiskeys as well as the Cologne and WD O'Connell whiskeys at irishmaltz.com. And if you want to follow us online, you can find me at uh, potstilled.com or on Facebook at Facebook forward slash potstilled or on Instagram and Twitter at potstilled underscore. And remember that sharing this podcast with all of your whiskey loving friends helps us move up the charts on the iTunes, Spotify, and Acast uh, charts. So any shares, likes, or comments on the actual podcast themselves are always, always appreciated. But Louise, I suppose this is a great time to say Garmila Maga and thanks.
1: Thanks Nash, pleasure as always.